the Pro Wrestling Bowl. 35 short stories, including Harley Race, Ricky Morton, Tracy Smothers, and Tim Storm. Along with 300 photos from the independent scene. Taken from Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama. Get your book today by going to WrestleVille.com or LanceByChance.com. WrestleVille, it's where wrestling lives. Are you a fan of pro wrestling, comedy, and combat sports? Then we have the podcast for you, because we cover that and much, much more. Do you like to debate with your friends? Do we have the perfect segment for you? It's the 531, where we take any given subject, break it down to a top five. From there, we debate it down to three, and then into that number one spot. If you want to get a hold of us, find us on our social media. Search Working Fans Podcast on any major social media platform. And if you want to find the podcast, search for us on any major podcast platform as well as YouTube. Working Fans Podcast. We put in the work so you don't have to. We want to take a minute to thank our newest sponsor on the show, 482 Designs. That is F-O-U-R, the number is 82 Designs. 482 Designs. You can find them on Facebook by looking up F-O-U-R, 82 Designs, at F-O-U-R, 82 Designs on Instagram. And if you want to email them, Go to four82designs at gmail.com. Pretty soon, we're going to be rolling out some high-quality T-shirts and stickers that were just done by the sponsor. Please check them out for any of your screen printing needs. First off, it's a light years better than our first one. Also, we survived the washer and dryer. They look good, and they're good quality. Nice. And those stickers before Paco chewed them up were amazing. And luckily, we'll be getting some more in, hopefully, before we start selling them to fans. But that's F-O-U-R-8-2 Designs. Hey, everybody. It's episode 32 of the Combat Cast. And today, we're going to talk about boxers of the 90s. Chevaruni, how we doing? Pretty good. How's it going, Dave? All right, all right. So before we get started, we're going to be doing top boxers of the 90s today. Why don't you tell them what's coming up? February 5th. That's that's your boy's birthday. February 5th, UFC Fight Night, Hermanson versus Strickland. I'm excited for that. That's a good matchup. Then the next week, UFC 271, Adesanya versus Whitaker 2. It's going to be a good pay-per-view. That'll be on the 12th. Then on the 19th, we're going to do UFC Fight Night Dos Anjos versus Rafael Faziv. Yeah. That's going to be high-level striking. We'll see if RDA is going to try to get him to the ground. And then at the end of the month, on the 26th, we'll be reviewing UFC Fight Night Dariush versus Makachev. I am very excited for that one. Dariush is back. That's right. After taking a little time off to be with his family and having the biggest win of his career and being on a huge win streak. This man said, I'm going to be with my kid, F off, and now he comes back, and I'm excited to see what he's got. Right, he's trying to steal the, the hype from Makachev, get himself a title shot. I mean, he comes back, you know, I guess this big win. I mean, how do you deny him? He's on a streak, so. Let's see what, so next it's going to be Gaethje and Oliveira. So, yeah, I would say the winner of this should meet the winner of that. Easy. But let's start off with boxing. We'll get some more MMA. Boxers of the 90s. Let's start off with our good friend Randy Oscar. He's got his two list here. Randy's got top boxer of the 90s. He's got Mike Tyson, Roy Jones Jr., Pinnell Whitaker, Oscar De La Hoya, Bernard Hopkins, Bernard Hopkins, Lennox Lewis, and then Anthony Latteller list. He's got Tyson, Lewis, Holyfield, De La Hoya, Roy Jones Jr. Solid list. 
I'm going to give you some facts about some of these people as we go on. I used uh, Ranker.com, which segue, and they had a lot of links to, as producer Joe likes to say, America number number one trusted source for information, Wikipedia. So mm-hmm. we'll be using them as that's kind of professionalism I bring here. So let's only start off with Roy Jones Jr. He's got, besides being a boxer, this guy's been a commentator, a trainer, a rapper, an rapper. actor. Yeah. And he actually, this is interesting too. You might know this. He has dual citizenship. He's from the United States and uh, Russia. And, yeah. He's got, yeah, in Russia too. That's very cool. And he's had multiple world championships in four weight classes. One of the best and an interesting, interesting man, I would say. Roy Jones Jr. won the heavyweight title at 193 pounds, which is below the cruiserweight limit. So it just shows the kind of skills that that man had. Yeah. I remember Roy Jones Jr. actually when I was watching boxing with my dad. And I remember him in the Olympics as a prospect. And I remember he was killing people. Mm-hmm. And he got the silver, but he was completely robbed of the gold. Like he beat the hell out of this guy from Korea. And they did not give him a decision. Coincidentally, Korea was where the Olympics was being held that Host year. Host nation. Hmm. Yeah. And Boxing's also, corrupt as fuck. Also, it, the Olympics are corrupt as fuck. They are, yes. And I think the Koreans were not doing well with the gold as much as they had hoped that year. And wouldn't you know it, this decision mysteriously goes this guy's mm-hmm. way. Very strange. <laughs> Worked out fine for Roy Jones Jr. He did yeah, all right. He had a good that. career. I, you know what? I think he was all right. <laughs> we got Scott from Voluntown, Holyfield. Lewis, Roy Jones Jr., Whitaker, and Oscar De La Hoya. I'm going to leave that De La Hoya comment there for a second because I also got AJ Strangebrew's list. He's got Mosley, Pinnell Whitaker, Lennox Lewis, Felix Trinidad, Holyfield. And he also told me, and yes, I don't have De La Hoya on my list. I still believe he's one of the most overrated bumps. <laughs> I don't know about all that. <laughs> Classic AJ Strangebrew. Yeah. He's got hot takes. Hot takes indeed. Oscar De La Hoya, a bum? <laughs> that doesn't seem right. <laughs> we got Alexander Cross. He's got De La Hoya, Phoenix Trinidad, Roy Jones Jr., Nassim Hamad, and Costa Tazu. Probably saying that name wrong. AJ Lane. We got Tyson, Roy Jones Jr., Pacquiao, Lewis, Bernard Hopkins. Peyton Mato has Tyson, Trinidad, Hoya, Oscar Chico. I don't know that one. Yeah, Oscar De La Hoya, Barrera, Pacquiao. I'm assuming it's Pacquiao. Trinidad, Miguel Cotto. That was Henry Rivera Rodriguez. Daniel Phillips has JCC. I'm going to take that as Julio Cesar Chavez. Mm-hmm. Rocky, maybe the fictional fighter. They like the photos in there once in a while. Foreman, Mayweather, Lewis. I think people, I think one other person has Foreman will read. And I think that was just people that were kind of sentimental about george picking up the world title back in the 90s great story yeah i I get it but that's that wasn't i mean he wasn't yeah right i I know he wasn't wasn't his era yeah yeah absolutely not francisco rodriguez jr savez senior de la hoya roy jones jr marco antonio barrera mike tyson adam blackwood sweet pete that's benel whitaker chavez roy jones jr prince nas and ben maybe that's better i don't know but while we're at it, let's take a little break here, and let's give you some facts about some of these people here. Again, using producer Joe's favorite news source, Wikipedia and Ranker.com, Pinnell Whitaker is a name we keep hearing come up. Pinnell Whitaker competed from 1984 to 2001, so 17-year career. He works as a boxing trainer, four-weight class world champion, uh, lightweight, light welterweight, welterweight, and light middleweight. He was the undisputed lightweight title in linear 
lightweight and welterweight titles. In 1989, he was named Fighter of the Year by Ring Magazine and the Boxers Writers Associates of America. He is currently holds the longest unified lightweight championship reign in boxing history at six defenses. Whitaker is generally revered as one of the greatest defensive boxers of all time. Yeah, we talked a lot about Sweet Pea on the last boxing episode of the 80s because he was in my list of the top 80s. I wanted to also also put him in my list for the 90s, but I thought that might have been a cop-out, so I, I didn't put him in this one. I thought, arguably, his better wins were in the 90s, but... I, I thought he was a real standout in the 80s. So great, yeah. great fighter. Defensively, one of the best of all times. Yeah, he's somebody I remember as well. Watching with my dad. A little bit, I would say, I remember him late 80s a little more. So I can see why he got in the 90s too. Yeah, excellent fighter. I always liked that name as a kid. Sweet Pea. I don't know. Mm-hmm. One of the great defensive boxers of all time. I mean, I think the greatest defensive boxer of all time is probably Floyd Money Mayweather. Right. I would argue that Purnell is a more exciting version of Floyd. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't do the shoulder roll and the shell. He has head movement. You know, he'll dodge a punch and then he comes back with more offense than Floyd. You know, he got hit. He got hit more too. So you have to say Floyd was the best defensive fighter of all time. Yeah, I don't think there's any question. Continuing on with some more lists here. Harry Pierce has Lennox Lewis, George Foreman, and as he put down, unlike the other person, for no reason other than sentimental. (laughs) Right. It's maybe the best story of the 90s. Evander Holyfield, Riddick Bowe, De La Hoya. To be fair, it's always the first four and then an alternating fifth with me. Albert Bettis has Roy Jones Jr., Lennox Lewis, Mike Tyson, Evander Holyfield, Penel Whitaker. Mike Shannon has De La Hoya, Holyfield, Jones Jr., Lennox Lewis. Paul Spafaroa, sentimental Pittsburgh pick. So that's probably why I don't know who that is. Kevin Carter, Pinnell, Sweet Pete Whitaker, Roy Jones Jr., Mickey Ward, Ardo Thunder, Gotti, Lennox Lewis, and Del Hoy. Oh, he had Gotti and Ward tied mm-hmm. for three. All great picks. Let's again, let's go down a couple people we're hearing. Obviously, everybody knows about Mike Tyson. I got some notes here, but I mean, let's just talk about it here for a second. Tyson's a cultural icon. I think he's the first boxer I remember who had a video game. Yeah, he might be. Most famous video game. Yeah, for, for sure. Boxing. I mean, I, I'm a little bit younger, so there might have been four I was playing video games. Maybe there was something, but, you know, Punch-Out was for sure the biggest one of that time. I mean, I'm older than you, and that's what I remember, too. Yeah. So I remember seeing other boxing stuff come out afterwards, but, yeah, Tyson was the first I remember. Still a good game to this day. Still love that game. Yeah. <laughs> King Hippo, where you at? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what took me forever was the fighter from India. Tiger guy. I don't remember their names. Oh, yeah. It took me forever because you had to like block. And I got away with not being able to block for most of the time. But the whole thing with him was you had to block. He had this spinning punch thing. Oh, yeah. He would go like to one side and spin down mm-hmm. and go to the other side. Yeah. Evander Holyfield, the man who eventually beat Mike Tyson. Not the first. Obviously, it was Buster Douglas. But obviously, we all consider that like just a major upset where mm-hmm. Douglas never really kind of kept that going. Holyfield did. Holyfield, he reigned as undisputed champion at Cruiserweight in the late 80s and at heavyweight in the early 90s and remains the only boxer in history to win the undisputed championship in two weight classes in the three belt era. Nicknamed the real deal, Holyfield is the only four-time world heavyweight champion having held the unified WBA, WBC, and IBF titles from 1990 to 92, the WBA and IBF titles again from 93 to 94. The WBA title a third time in 96 to 99, the IBAF title a third time from 97 to 99, 
and the WBA title for a fourth time from 2000 to 2001. What that tells me is boxing is the alphabet soup, and we have a lot of belts. Too many. But, yeah, but it also tells me that Holyfield is, I mean, he's one of the greats to do it at heavyweight, and maybe doesn't get the respect he deserves sometimes. Yeah, he fought in one of the most dangerous heavyweight eras of all time. He was a smaller guy, and he ended up out-muscling a lot of fighters, too, even though he started out as a cruiserweight. So I agree with you. Probably one of the most underrated heavyweights of all time. Absolutely. Now, I'm going to read you. Well, I'll read you my list first, and then I'll give you some more facts about some of these fighters, and then we'll get to your list. I have Jones Jr., to me, just one of the all-time greats. It was his career was in the 90s. I put Pinnell Whitaker, too. I got a soft spot for him. I also have Holyfield and Tyson, the two best heavyweights, I think, of the 90s. It was kind of hard for me, but I ended up going with Lennox Lewis. I thought he was another standout to kind of deserve to be in there. Now, as far as other boxers from this era I want to talk about, I have two more uh, I'm excited to talk about. Uh, let's go with Felix Trinidad. Here's a man who's got 42 wins, three losses, 35 by knockout. Paparu, known as Tito Trinidad, is from Puerto Rico and has competed from 1990 to 2008. Held multiple world championships in three weight classes and is re- regarded and said to be by many the greatest Puerto Rican boxer of all time, which Puerto Rico, you know, generally too, Mexico, Puerto Rico, a lot of Spanish communities had really great boxing talent. Felix Trinidad was a guy I didn't see a lot of. Right. I'm a little bit surprised he wasn't on more lists. And then I thought about just all the other great boxers in the 90s. And he maybe he didn't fight the best competition. So that also kept him off my list. Well, I got one more I want to talk about. Sugar Shane Mosley. He's got a record of 49 wins, 41 by knockout, 10 losses, one draw, one no contest. Often known by his nickname, Sugar Shane Mosley is an American boxer who competed from 93 to 2016. He's had multiple championships in three weight classes. You notice the trend here of many of these greats have been like champions of three weight classes. Pretty well, phenomenal. 10 pound difference. Not that impressive to me. Well, I was going to say, <laughs> let me finish here, but yeah, he's held IBF lightweight title, the WBA super and WBC welterweight titles. He was the ring magazine light middleweight titles. He's also a former lineal champion at welterweight twice. Yes. So the point you're making here is on boxing, it's a little easier to be a champion at multiple weight classes as opposed to MMA, where the weight classes are a little more spread apart. Right. It is and it isn't. Because in the same vein that the weights are so close together, there's so many more people boxing. So to get to the top of boxing, you really have to be that much better than so many people. So it's easy and it's not. Once you get to that level, it's easy to attain a few more titles. But to become a world champion, I I think in boxing is incredibly impressive and and one of the most difficult things you can do in sports. I would not argue that. And I got some stuff written down here. I got an idea, but before we go to that, how about your list? All right, so I have Evander Holyfield. He was on a lot of lists. He had some notable wins. I put some notable wins for each of my fighters. So Buster Douglas, Riddick Bowe, Tyson, which, you know, we talked about the Tyson ones. Number four, I had Tyson. He had wins over Michael Spinks. He beat an older Larry Holmes, but Mm -hmm. still impressive. Trevor Burbeck. Then number three, I had Oscar De La Hoya. Yeah. (laughs) I kind of see where AJ's coming from. Like, he was a great boxer, but people think he was an all-time great. I think he was great for the 90s, for sure. But he did beat Julio Cesar Chavez. 
late in his career, but still one of the best boxers of all time. He beat Hector Camacho, another great fighter. Number two and number one, I had a hard time picking between who I wanted to put in those. So I, I ended up going number two, Lennox Lewis. I think for me, he was the greatest heavyweight boxer of the 90s. Only in the fact that he fought some of the toughest fighters. He had wins over Tyson, Ray Mercer, Tommy Morrison, yeah. and he beat Holyfield as well. And I think he lost two, to two different fighters, and he avenged both of those losses. So really, he beat every person that he fought, which is incredibly difficult and very impressive. He had this great double jab and right heavy right overhand, and like you knew it was coming, but he was so he had such long reach and he was so powerful and quick for heavyweight. Like you just couldn't get out of the way of it. So he just set you up with those and then land that heavy right hand, knock people out. My number one, I had to go with Roy Jones Jr. I mean, he fought late into the 2000s. I think he had fights in, in the 2010s. Uh, he had a long career over in Russia where they just keep letting you fight. You know, he, he's a super, superstar over there. That's why he ended up getting Russian sh- citizenship. But he had wins over Bernard Hopkins, James Tony, And like we talked about, he won the heavyweight title below the cruiserweight limit, which is incredibly impressive and he won all that while arguably being the most stylish fighter of the 90s for me most stylish successful fighter that and and sweet pea i wanted to put sweet pea in the list but like i said i I put him in my 80s list so i'll just keep him there but Mm -hmm. rogan talks about this a lot he was so fast he he didn't really use a jab he used it like a check hook his hook was so fast that he could use it as a jab. He he just embarrassed people in the ring. He was uh, something special to watch for sure. Actually, when looking at these lists, and I, I took it quick, but to me, Roy Jones Jr. was one who got the most votes. I'm going to say the following two was actually Oscar De La Hoya, despite what AJ thinks. I think he did get a lot of lists. And I think Mike Tyson was the other one who got the majority of votes. So I think that's a good top three right yeah. there to work with. AJ will be happy because I think we will boot De La Hoya off first. I think so. Uh, despite his credentials, I just think the other two are bigger stars. And I think you made a great point with Roy just being, you know, phenomenal stylish boxer, long career. And it's interesting we talk about these two because these two fought each other in an exhibition several months back and they hadn't fought in a while. And let's tell you how cool it is that you still got these two guys that want to compete at this point in the career. Roy Jones didn't have as much drama in his career. Mike Tyson. Nobody did. True, true, true. So it depends what you really want to lean on here. To me, the best fighter, pound for pound, I got to go Roy Jones Jr. all day. But if you're talking about cultural icons and popularity, that's Mike Tyson. But I guess the list is best boxers. Best boxer. I, that's, I think we should do go with the most skilled boxer. Then to me, that's Roy Jones Jr. I'm with you on that one. It's just, it's got to be Roy Jones. I got no problem with that. Uh, it's funny because I think when we didn't pick Tyson for the 80s, we kind of thought we were probably going to pick him for the 90s. But when we started doving through these guys, it's like, ah, it's a lot of super skilled people here. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah he, he was great. But like you said, if we were picking cultural icon, you know, biggest name, yeah. it would definitely be him. But I don't know if he's most exciting. Tyson was very exciting. But most skilled boxer at the highest level for the entirety of the 90s, it's got to be Roy Jones. I think Tyson to me is probably in terms of fame and just go to me, he's the number two boxer 
in terms of popularity of all time when it comes to like pop culture. I, I don't think it's still, I think Muhammad Ali still trumps it, but I think Tyson's like right there. I think like if you talk to people who don't really watch boxing, they probably know the names Muhammad Ali and Mike Tyson. For sure. Definitely. So that's going to be it for our boxing talk this week. Let's talk a little bit about UFC 270, a co-main event and main event. I'll start off with the co-main event. Davidson Figueroa wins the title back from Brandon Moreno. Awesome fight. These guys are now tied at 1-1-1. One, one, and one. They've had a draw. They each won one. Interesting to note, Davidson Figueroa put on 19.2 pounds the night of this fight. Brandon put on 12. So I don't want to totally like let it, but it's like, it's interesting how these guys just kind of ballooned up. But, I mean, they are flyweights. It's, but, nonetheless, I do think this huge weight was a difference maker this night. I'd like to see how much weight he gained back in the other fights before mm. I say it was, you know, a real difference maker. But, I mean, it definitely makes a difference. Right. Figueredo is huge in there, and that helps with those power shots. Cejudo? The Cejudo training? That Was that big? No. I don't think so. Okay. Too soon. I mean, maybe mentality-wise, Figueredo's composure was very good. Right. So, and he did well to not gas. I mean, flyweights don't normally gas, but Moreno will put a pace on you. So, Figueredo's a power puncher. It's it's possible that he gasses. He also usually has a hard time with weight cuts. What I think is maybe... I had Moreno winning by one round. Right. I, it could have it went either way, for sure. To me, Moreno didn't really look like he didn't look the way he did in right. the second fight where, where he dominated his movement. You know, his head movement wasn't he does that hands up to head and he switches back and forth. He was just kind of standing with his head on the line, which I think was making him easier to hit than it was in the last fight. And I mean, he has a solid chin, but five rounds of getting hit by Figueredo mm-hmm. wears on you. And maybe that took a little from his gas tank and he just couldn't keep up the pressure. I'm not sure, but. I wouldn't be surprised if they do do a fourth fight, if Moreno doesn't dominate him again. I'll be surprised. I got an idea. I know Davidson wants to do it in Mexico, and I'm really cool with that. I'd like to see if Connor's coming back and they put him against like, like Nate Diaz, you know, something that's going to get a lot of eyeballs. Put this fight on this card. Let everybody see how good these guys are because. I saw somebody on Twitter saying this is like the greatest rivalry in sports. And I don't know about that, but God, man, this is one of the most competitive rivals ever in MMA. Like, it's right up there. There's three fights at the highest level, classics, decision every time, fight of the nights every time, fight of the year, year candidates every time. It's just tremendous. The last fight wasn't a decision, right? Moreno choked him out late, I thought. Maybe you're right. I don't remember now. I thought it was. I think so. Nonetheless, uh, yeah, like all the fights were super. Mm -hmm. Very, very competitive trilogy, though. I think you're right. So the UFC does not normally do fourth fights. That's more of a boxing thing, promotion-wise. But I think that the trilogy, especially with there being a draw and then one win apiece, I think it warrants a fourth fight. I'm not sure if that'll be what's next. You know, will Moreno have to go and get another win before they want to set that up again? I I think it's fair to just do it again, to be honest. I think so. Yeah, they gave Figueredo the fight after I thought he got dominated in the second one. So I I think you have to do the same for Brandon. I agree. And I think whoever wins this one, then we finally give him a little space. Unless it's a draw. But even if it's a draw, I think at this point, whatever happens this time happens. And we got to give him a little space after this. Yeah, some fresh blood up up there. So 
Yeah, but I do think they deserve one more. I think so, too. Main story, Nagano successfully defends his title using what we all figured he would, his wrestling. Exactly. That's how I called it. <laughs> I remember. I, I was there. Yeah. All that wrestling, working with Usman. Yeah, it's tremendous. I liked, talked about this on the Hawani show, that, and I believed him. He wasn't really being like uh, arrogant about it. He talked about when he saw Gone in the third round, what he looked like. It said, it's what I looked like in the Stipe fight. And I recognized that. And that's when I knew I had him. I think what we figured was that Gon was just a well, more well-versed striker. But what we learned, because Gon is still learning in MMA, was that Francis was actually a more well-rounded MMA fighter. I was impressed. He was coming in with injuries. He had a lot of pressure on him. He gutted it out. To me, amazing performance. Happy for the guy. I hope nothing but the best for him in the future. I kind of wish, I hope they get the deal done where we kind of see him in the UFC still. But, man, if he wants to go on to other MMA organization, he wants to do something in boxing, like whatever that guy does, I, I hope he's successful. He's a hard worker, and he's exciting to watch. Right. So as as far as the fight, I've torn both my MCLs, which is what Francis has done. So I could tell you the amount of twerk yet to put to throw a punch. Like I don't understand how he could stand and do that while getting kicked in the legs, and mm-hmm. you know, even wrestling. I'm not sure how he's how he how he was managing that, but very impressive. Just his growth from that first steep A fight to his last two fights, really to that amount of improvement in his wrestling skill is just super impressive. He's just just a superior athlete. I think as far as Gon goes, he it's just a little bit too soon for him. I think I, I assume some jitters got to him. He got tired. I mean, as heavyweights do, but if you have that much movement, if you're reliant on that kind of movement for your fighting style, you have to have the gas tank to go five rounds. I, I think this was like his 10th or 11th fight or something like that. So I assume we're only going to see him get better for a long time. So yeah, as far as the business aspect, I'm right there with you. If he signed with the UFC, I'd be super happy to continue to watch him, you know, knock people out in the UFC or wrestle them even. So Mm-hmm. I'm but, gonna follow this guy. You know, like if he whatever he does, like I'm, I, he's got a fan. So. Exactly. If he goes to PFL and wants to win a million dollars every year, I'm <laughs> here for it. You know, I yeah. support the guy as well. He's a nice guy. I noticed this especially all this drama between him and Dana and the UFC and all this. He's handled it like a true professional. Very impressive. He he's a good role model for fighters that are coming up on how to deal with these kinds of things. You know, don't let the promotion walk all over you, mm-hmm. but you don't need to be on Twitter or in interviews saying fuck Dana White, fuck the UFC. You know, you let idiots like us say that shit. So <laughs> if if he is leaving, I'd like to see him box Tyson. I don't think he wins. Uh, you know, Tyson Fury. I don't think he wins that fight, but he's gonna get paid a hell of a lot of money for that. So set it up get him paid how cool would it be if this guy was like a true independent contractor his name would warrant that what if he could go to pfl for a couple fights but still fight for bellator i'm sure bellator would be willing to work out a deal and take him like Mm -hmm. you got francis nagano on your show i mean what the hell why wouldn't you want that then he goes to japan maybe fights there and then maybe he could box like maybe that would be exciting to me. You know, like to me, it's like, yeah, the UFC is like the pinnacle company. He's not going to do that. I'd like to see him go around like to different promotions and get out there and just, you know. Well, he's not young 
and I know that boxing is something he's always wanted to do. His father was a boxer right. in Africa where he's from. So I, I do hope that he gets at least one, you know, legit boxing match under his belt so he can say that he did it. And also that's probably where he's going to get paid the most, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with you. I don't think he beats Tyson Fury if they ever fight, but if there was ever a lucky punch I was rooting for, no offense, Tyson, it's Francis Nagana. Right. It's just to me, like, it's just such a great story. I think about this guy, you know, coming up from Cameroon and suddenly he holds like every major world title in combat right. sports. Yeah. I, I love, love, love Tyson, but that would just be a great story. Well, credit to Tyson Fury too. And I don't can't tell you for sure he's serious, but he's the only one I think that might do it. He's talked about why don't we do around MMA? I do around boxing or something like that. If there was a fighter, a boxer who's going to have the balls to do that, it probably is Tyson Fury. Well, based on Francis's recent wrestling techniques, I don't think Tyson wants that. I, I know they talked about you know boxing with four ounce gloves on or something. I don't know if that really yeah. makes that much of a difference. I mean, Nganu is still strong enough to knock Tyson out with 16 ounce gloves on or whatever, 10 ounce, whatever they decide to fight with. And Tyson is also that good where he can knock Francis out with whatever size gloves. So I don't think that really makes a difference, but if they were to do the, the uh, one round boxing, one round MMA, I would be interested in that. Oh yeah. Before we get out of here, I will. Randy Oscar sent us a question. Dana didn't put the belt on him. When does that ever happen? I can say I do remember one time, I believe it happened with Anderson Silva. I think he might have been clowning around. Might have been, oh God, who's that jujitsu ace? Um, blanking out. Damian Maya. He was clowning around him. And this might have been in Abu Dhabi many years ago. And I think Dana told his trainer, you put the belt on him. He was just so disgusted with how the fight went. But don't happen a lot. <laughs> so. I, I'm pretty sure I've seen that happen before as well. When he mm. was salty with a fighter or whatever. Maybe Stipe too, actually, now that I think yeah. about yeah, it. Yeah, Stipe. Actually, no, I think he tried to put oh, the belt on Stipe. Stipe grabbed it and gave it to his trainer. Right. Like that. <laughs> that was, Stipe. yeah, that might have been what I was thinking of. But yeah. yeah, it's a real bitch move for him not to put the belt on Francis and then not to show up to the press conference. Like, it just makes you look weak, man. Yeah, like just whatever criticism is going to come to you, just take it. Like, what is the difference to you? Like, you've yeah. said your argument against paying him or whatever. It it's a valid discussion to have. Mm -hmm. So I, I just it just makes you look like a big baby. So, <laughs> Jeffy, before we get out of here, I want you to tell people again what's coming up. All right, so on the fifth, your boy's birthday, we got a UFC Fight Night: Hermanson versus Strickland. Then on the 12th, we're going to do UFC 271, Adesanya versus Whitaker 2. I'm excited for that episode, Hot Takes. 219, we're going to be doing UFC Fight Night, Dos Anjos versus Rafael Faziv, the fights of the Rafael. And then at the end of the month, on the 26th, we're going to be doing UFC Fight Night, Dariush versus Makachev. There we go. Should be good. I'm going to say, well, we'll talk about that fight when it comes up, but Dariush Makachev is Definitely one. I'm excited. I hope there's no injuries. I hope these fights all happen. Same. Or COVID or whatever else. Yeah. Please please let this fight come through. All right, fans. That's it for the combat cast. We'll see you at the fights. Thanks for tuning in, guys.
All right, so that wraps us up for this week. Thank you again for listening to the Working Fans Podcast. So as always, you can find us on Twitter at Fans Working. Our Facebook page is Working Fans Wrestling Pod. We have email where you can reach out to us and let us know what you think also. That's WorkingFansWrestlingPod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, WorkingFansWrestling underscore pod. And then as always, please continue to listen to us on Anchor.fm, Google Podcast, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, all your major platforms. If you're following us on Apple Podcasts, which we are also on now, and YouTube, please make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It helps us bring you these podcasts where we get to talk to you and talk with you every week. 